Welcome everybody and thank you for being here. We got a special one today. We got our first ever AOG guest podcast episode with none other than my brother, James Farrell. I'm super excited about this one, guys. My family adopted James in seventh grade and he lived with us all through high school. James was a football star with 30 plus division one college scholarship offers. Since our time in high school, he's lived all over the country, been on tour with Sammy Adams, had a hit song on the radio, and started multiple businesses. James is maybe the most charismatic and talented person that I've ever been around. Quickly before we start, if you haven't read or listened to Article 1 on fasting or Article 2 on pliability, make sure to go check them out. Fasting and pliability training are two game-changing practices in my life and the articles dive deep into the science and reasoning behind why they are so important. All right, here we go. Enjoy some time with the Pharaoh. I know I really enjoyed this one. All right, welcome to the first ever AOG guest podcast. Yes, sir. We got James Pharaoh, my brother here, better known as the Pharaoh. Yeah. And uh, really excited to have you, Jimmy. This is awesome. Thank you, man. Thank <laughs> you. It's a blessing. I've been begging you for this podcast for a while, so thank you. We've been talking about doing something like this for a long time. Uh, before we get into it, I just want to say, Jimmy, thank you for everything. Of course. I uh, appreciate you as a person. I appreciate all your guidance for me. And just really grateful to have you on here. Thank you, man. You're so I can't stop smiling because I'm just excited that we're finally doing it. Yes. So I'm excited. Uh, before we really get into your journey and everything that you've done in life, um, I just want to ask you, what books are you reading recently? And what do you recommend to people right now? Um, I've been flipping through... I think it's called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Okay. I've been reading that um, here and there. Just okay. like to read. I take the dog out in the morning and stuff. I'll sit down and read. Um, yeah. But, you know, the best books that I've been reading that have been hitting home with me are really talking about ego okay. and things like that. I've battled with my own ego for a while. I yeah. think anyone that knows me from like middle school, high school, even early years of college could probably attest to that. I've right. always had a pretty big ego myself. But. Are there any things that you do to like put the ego in check or that you kind of practice? Uh, I think, I mean, the biggest thing for me is just taking a time to reflect on how far I've come. Okay. I think I battle with always looking to the future and not um, taking the time to like appreciate how far I've come along and things like that. So for that sure. usually like kind of humbles me, yeah. to, which seems a little contradictory to look at my accomplishments to get myself humble okay but um it works for me yeah that's awesome and if you had if we could do a top two books of all time what would your top two be top two all time for sure the war of art the war of art by okay. stephen pressfield what's that one about was- that's that's about battling with the ego and the self okay um and then also it's just about um self-discipline willpower okay but he does it in like such a steak and potatoes way, which is my type of reading. So there's not a lot of fluff. Um, It's, you know, if Quentin Tarantino wrote a book, he'd write it like this. Yeah, you're Um, like getting right down to it, huh? Right down to it. No BS. I feel like he's just personally calling me out on my shit, um, which made me like enjoy the book because I really related to it. I've probably, no exaggeration, I bet I've bought 14 copies. Really? I've given them as gifts to so many people. Just even people I'm not even like that close with where I'm like, this person is in a place in their life 
where they need this book. And I, yeah, I bought probably like 14 copies at least. That's awesome. Yeah. I think you know how much a book really means to you when you're able to give it away. Oh, yeah. And when I force it on people. <laughs> you actually, have to give I it to them. force it on people. <laughs> yeah, it's, you need to. All right. If there was one other one that you would say this one, you know, really impacted you. Um, I really liked The Alchemist. So I'm not really into fiction very much. Um, but The Alchemist, there was just something so magical. I got so wrapped up in the story. And again, it just related to my life so much about your personal journey and your own personal legend. Personal and so legend. The alchemy, I think you recommended that to me. That's. I think you. It's a top three for me all time. Me. Yeah. Or we've talked about it, or some somewhere, shape, or form, you and I talked about that book. Yeah, and just piggyback off the alchemist is top three for me for sure. Yeah, and just I love storytelling when you're trying to teach life lessons mm-hmm. and journey. I'm a big storytelling guy, so yeah. we can dive into that and make it like magical, a little like cute. Yeah. Yeah. So it's great, great. Going off of that, is there any uh, people that you follow right now in the social media world, or just I guess anybody that you would recommend people go check out? Well, I've been on the email list for Tim Ferriss for years. So every Friday he sends out his Five Bullet Friday. Mm-hmm. So he gives quotes he's pondering, things he's reading, um, just interesting tidbits here and there. They'll change each week. It's not always just like the five same things, and yep. then he just fills in the blank. It's always different. I'm on his email um, list too. Yeah, exactly. So. I would say check out Tim Ferriss, definitely. He's someone that tells you things that you didn't, or he answers questions you didn't even know you were asking, which yeah. I think is really cool. Um, and then I like, you know, Gary V. He's a grinder. He's kind of more in your face, so you got to be in the mood. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I love Jordan Peterson. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Um, mm. I've read his book. And um, 12 Rules of Life, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't know. I think people need to unfollow a lot of these Instagram models, unfollow a lot of these celebrities. If you just replace five Instagram models or five celebrities or five meme accounts with five productive, entrepreneurial, motivational, life hack, whatever it is, you replace five with five, you'll be so surprised how much different your social media experience is. And you go to it and it's inspiring and you leave your phone not feeling shitty because your body doesn't look like so-and-so's body or you don't have the same Ferrari as so-and-so. You leave with like a quote that you just read or, you know, a video that's talking about something that's similar to your personal situation in business or whatever it is. So I thought that, uh, I don't know where I read that, like the five and five switch. I read it somewhere and I did it myself. And they give you some actual like practical advice maybe and yeah. like some like like you said, no BS information instead of just some fluffed up. Instead of some version. girls working out at the gym with the caption grind mode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, worthless. Right, exactly. Worthless. So you've come so far. I mean, just for me personally, being your brother, obviously seeing how how far you've come and just the personal growth over the years. Take me back to the beginning. You know, where where did it all start? Before you met me in seventh grade when James kinda of moved into our house. Mm-hmm. You know, what was it like maybe fourth, fifth grade for you? Well, I haven't uh I haven't sold the rights to this movie yet, <laughs> this documentary. It's gonna be crazy. Um, but I know early on, I mean I was going school to school. So that on one side can hinder a kid, but for me, it made me develop a sense of humor. It made me develop personal skills because I was going each you know year, halfway through the year, I'd switch schools. Yep. So I had to learn how to make friends. And um, I don't know, I feel like it made me more personable for sure. Yeah. But I don't know. Early on, man, it was just tough. It was tough just with no stability. And then you're in such a development stage in your life. 
he should always be in a development stage, but that's uh, you know prime time years. So, and it was know. just just with your dad, right? Because your mom yeah. wasn't around. For yeah. That. So I was living with my dad, single father. Um, we had my brother and sister. Yeah. yeah, we were just moving around a lot. You know, trying to make ends meet. Definitely was like a, t- a struggle until I got to Minnetonka and got to settle in a little bit. Was it was it hard to make that adjustment from like really moving around to more of like a community that every kid has a stable life? And yeah, then- I mean, I would say the toughest part was finally being in a place where I had a friend group, but all those kids have been friends since kindergarten. Right. So I never felt like I was all the way in. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And even through high school, those same kids, like even, you know, six years passed by and I've been with the same friends. It just never quite felt like I was on the inner, inner circle. So that, you know, that was tough. And I battled with that and just, you know, finding my identity in like right. a predominantly white school, being one of the only black kids. Luckily, I was an athlete along with eight of the 10 black kids in our yeah. school being athletes. All the best ones, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that... I mean, I won't say my experience was tough in high school because, I don't know, I was a star athlete, yep. got decent grades, always had a girlfriend and good friends. I don't, you know, it was easy. You're easy so good me. at adopting to your, your, your uh, surroundings and stuff. Absolutely. You're very, and yeah. that was from the, you know, the younger years yep. of having to move so many schools. So any situation I was put in, I just felt like you know, I could adjust and kind of like create a persona, which at the time felt fake almost yeah felt like I was just um adapting to the people around me and mirroring those people and their likes and dislikes and whatnot and it wasn't until later in life where I kind of figured out who I am for myself and I'm still discovering that every day for sure yeah yeah so adjusting to your surroundings but what were more like specific detailed adjustments you might have had to make just living with my family just like different habits and routines you might have picked up just yeah kind of moving households I would say when you move any place, there's going to be adjustments. But for me, it was not just adjusting to a new environment, but it was adjusting to a certain amount of stability that I'd never had before. Okay. I'd always been in fight or flight mode, survival mode. You know, what's, what are we going to eat next? Am I going to have new clothes for school? Are these kids going to make fun of me because I'm wearing the same shoes I wore last year? Yeah. So that puts you, you know, in a kid, that's a big deal. I mean, it sounds like a big deal now, but your world is so small when you're a kid. So the biggest adjustment was letting go of that fight or flight and just being able to live and be a kid. And that was like the biggest adjustment. Because I remember when I first moved in with you guys and I, w- you know, I got some new shoes and different stuff. And yeah. you would take my shoes and wear them. We were the same size. And you'd wear them out. And I would freak out because I never had shit. Yeah. And so that was so precious to me to have a couple new pairs of shoes. And you would just wear them out and go hoop in the driveway in my new kicks. And I'm <laughs> like, yo, this dude is fucking tripping. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so like, I used to freak out and be so possessive of my possessions because I never had anything. And so yeah. it meant the world to me. And so letting go of that, like that fight or flight, that... You know, once this is all mine, don't touch it because I didn't want to let it go. I didn't want to lose it. I didn't want to be poor again. Letting go of that was like probably the biggest adjustment. 
Yeah, and I think that attitude made you like a really good athlete and competitor. And I saw some of that come out when we were playing sports, not just football in high school and stuff, but just in the garage and stuff. When it got real, I mean, that fight or flight, oh, it was yeah. there. And, and that obviously bleeds into other aspects of your life and maybe some negative parts with like actual fights in school or whatever. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah, I definitely definitely can see what you're saying there. Yeah, I never, never back down from a fight, I tell you that. I've been beat up a couple of times. Really? Never back down from a fight, yeah. I don't think I've seen you beat up. I've only seen the other kid in oh, trouble. I got, uh, I'll tell you quick. So I was at Virginia Tech. Yep. It was a summer going into my freshman year. And, um, you know, at a big school like that, there's a lot of respect and a lot of weight goes into seniority. So the older guys would, you know, pick on the freshmen. Of course. Rightly so. I didn't have a problem with hazing. Yeah. I had a problem with disrespect. And that goes back into the fight or flight. Some things that I wouldn't let go yeah. was my pride and different stuff like that. So when I got to Virginia Tech, they would do little stuff, you know, pranking us, take our bags and hide them and, you know, do different shit like that. So yeah. one day I go in the locker room. I put on my cleats. And when I put on my cleats, I feel this squishy stuff in my socks, like, you know, in the bottom of the shoe. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, what the fuck? What the hell is going on? So I look at my shoe. There's shit in my cleats. Actual goose, shit. Goose shit. No. In all of our cleats. There's goose shit in all of our cleats. And I, I was done. I'd had enough. You put goose shit in my cleats before practice. Now I'm late. I got shit in my cleats. Like, you know, you can't explain that to Division One coaches. Yeah. I go, coach, I was cleaning goose shit out of my cleats. That's why I'm late. They don't care. Yeah. And so I walked up. I'm not going to name names. But I walked up to one of the juniors that were going into their senior year. Punched him right in the face. Really? At practice? I, before practice. Okay. And On the I, field? Nope, nope, in the locker room. Okay. And I have never been ragdolled and whooped so bad. I'm so happy that the other guys jumped in. Because, you know, in my head, I'm like, this is enough. Yeah. Like, I need to start fighting back or else this is only going to get worse. Right. I'm not going to be one of those guys that just gets punked every day. Right. So I knew I was going to get beat up. I knew this wasn't going to end well for me. It was but a respect in, thing. Yeah. It was yeah. like, yo, I'm going to stand up for myself. If you want to pick on me, then be ready to fight me every single day before practice because that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, Sky just whooped me so bad. <laughs> was it man. just him or were there other guys in there? No, well, there was other guys in there. So I walked up. He was just sitting in his locker. I cheap shot at him. He didn't know, <laughs> what, he didn't know what was coming. But I was yeah. like, let me go just punch him as hard as I can. Right. And then hopefully people jump in, right? That was kind of, so I'm sitting in my locker and, you know, I'm rocking back and forth and I'm like, oh, this is about to go down. <laughs> you know, I'm like a buck 70, just fresh out of high school. These guys have been on the D1 program for four years. Oh, man. These are grown men. Yes. So I'm rocking in my locker like, oh, this is about to go down. And I just finally got the courage built up and I walked right up to him, pow, punched him in his face. You know, didn't do anything. He stood up, <laughs> just grabbed me, threw me down, just beat me to a pulp oh, boy. until the guys, you know, grabbed him off. But, you know, I went full fetal position, that fight or flight, right? Yeah. <laughs> this survival mode. Yeah. So I'm full fetal position. So, you know, he's hitting my shoulder and side of my head, but didn't do too much damage to my face. Luckily, it's the moneymaker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was just, you know, a situation where it was a fight or flight moment for me where I was like, this is going to be really brutal the whole year if I don't do something. Right. Did the coaches find out about that or anything? Like nah, that? but the coaches would have been hype. 
those code, you know, once you get up in those programs, certain programs where they like the fiery, you know, stuff, they don't want anyone to get hurt. Right. And that wasn't a situation where I don't think he would have hurt you, hurt, hurt you. me yeah. and sent me to the hospital, but yeah, he whooped me pretty good. Yeah. So at Virginia Tech, I mean, I remember hearing about your schedule. It was just crazy how yeah. much control they had over your life. Oh, yeah. Now, when we were kids and growing up through high school, even though you were a football star and stuff, you were always, you know, in your room locked up recording music mm-hmm. and doing your dance stuff with yeah. the Java Walkies. Shout out the boys. Shout out all the boys. Um, but what contributed to the end of your football career and more to music? Was it the strict schedule? Was it the concussions? Was it more passion for music? No, it was definitely the concussions. Okay. It was just. Over and over again, I was getting hit and hitting other people, and then I'd have to sit out for a couple weeks or a week, and and it just became like such a grind. I never had the same love for football that some of the other guys did. I always had other avenues of life that I was interested in. I was just good at football, Mm -hmm. and I liked the game, but I didn't love it like a lot of people do. I had such a more broad view on life where I didn't have to... I didn't have to make it to the NFL or bust. There's a lot of things I wanted to do. Right. Um, so yes. it wasn't as tough a de- of a decision for me right. to take a step back from football as it may have been for other guys. Yeah, and I think we have a similar viewpoint on football that way. Is like it was part of like our our personal persona in high school, and mm-hmm. we liked parts of it, and we grew together, which was part of the fun yeah, of it. Absolutely. But I I think both of us can say we did not love the game and just kind of stay with it for a while yeah but yeah going back to virginia tech and stuff when did uh you make the switch you know when did you really know like this is it football isn't it it's more music well i i always loved music and i know you know that but a lot of people are like you know did, did you start making music when you quit football it's like no i was making music when i was nine yeah you know, i was recording in my room when i was in third grade my dad bought me an eight track recording device and I'd be in my room burning CDs and selling them in school. Oh yeah. And so music was always like my first love, my first form of expression and you know, it ran in my family, but okay. it wasn't like a huge decision for football. It was like I was just done. I was burnt out. I was constantly like grinding, go- building myself up the roster, climbing up and then concussion sent back down to the bottom. Right. Grinding and then concussion sent back down to the bottom. So at some point I was like, there's so many things I want to do in life yeah. and my brain is the only way I'm going to be able to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, you hear all these like horror stories about guys with concussions and CTE. I think that's what it is. Right. And yeah. it's, I mean, I had that phone call with your parents and told them how I felt and, you know, they backed me up. So right. that was the end. It wasn't like a huge thing. Yeah, and for those of you who don't know, James and I in high school, we had uh, opposing teams yelling out James's songs. And yeah. <laughs> One of your biggest hits, Hit Me With Your Math. I mean, yeah, it was no. a big thing. Yeah, and we're going to drop a snippet of Hit Me With Your Math right here. All right, so you did a year at Virginia Tech, and then we went out to San Diego. Or was it a year and a half? It was a year. A year, full year at Virginia Tech, and you had, what, like 30 scholarship offers out, out of high school for football? Yeah, it was a lot. Miami came in late. I really wanted you to go there. I know. I thought about it. I got a lot of family down in Florida, so I thought about it. Yeah. Okay. So you, uh, you went to Virginia Tech, had your football experience, then transferred out to San Diego. Mm-hmm. And then when you went to San Diego, did you know that football was done? It was mainly going to be, you know, Yeah, actually, uh, I used football to get financial aid. 
Okay. I finessed the I finessed the program. So shout out to the Toreros, my bad. But I showed up for summer camp, waited till my financial aid went through, and then cut loose. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't you get another concussion there in camp or something? Uh, I got a little ringer, but nothing too crazy. But a uh, quick story. A lot of people don't know this, but yeah. the reason I went to San Diego. So I was a little bit devastated by the fact that, like, I don't know how to explain it. So it wasn't the fact that I was losing out on football or losing that part of my identity. It was yeah. more of how I was going to be perceived of not being successful in football. And okay. so I had, like, a little bit of an internal crisis with, God, what are people going to think? You know, I, I was this big football star. That's how I'm perceived by everyone. And now I'm, you know, quitting or, you know, whatever you call it. Yeah. And so... I battled with that throughout my spring semester in college in my freshman year. And so I Googled farthest city from Blacksburg, Virginia, and it was L.A. and San Diego. No way. And that's so how it happened? That's how I decided that I was going to – I'd never been to California, and that's how I decided I was going. I was like, it's the opposite. It's the farthest way you can get. Right. And so I was like, I'm just starting fresh. And that <laughs> Flew was out it. there. Yeah, it was very impulsive. But it worked out. Yeah, you went through college at San Diego. I mean, I came down there and visited you. It was, mm -hmm. aw I mean, awesome place, right awesome time. Right on the time. beach. <laughs> right on the beach. Met some great guys down there and uh, started going into more music stuff. Um, music has taken you all over. I mean, yeah. you've lived in Virginia, San Diego, Hollywood, New York. I mean, yeah. is there a city or place that like really holds a place in your heart? I mean, there's no city like New York City. Yeah? And that's like... I mean, there's just a certain energy that rises from the concrete. Everyone's hustling and bustling. Everyone has big dreams. And so, like, New York City was just such such a cool experience. And I'm so happy I did it. And it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Right. But it was just, I mean, there's just something about New York, man. L.A.'s great, but New York has got a special place in my heart. I think you're a hustler and grind. Like you said earlier, you are always looking for the next move and stuff. And New York's always about... You know, making the moves. Oh yeah, and I mean, how? What was the experience like being like a signed artist in New York City, song on the radio? I mean, we were on a, you were on a wave. Yeah, <laughs> I'm on a wave. Yes. Um, I hate that song now, <laughs> but um, I mean, it was a grind, but it was so so cool. I mean, I pull up to the clubs. We'd hit four or five different clubs in a night, like three nights a week. Mm -hmm. I'd go and I'd be in the DJ booth chopping it up with all these guys that I'd seen on the internet, you know, when I was in high school and stuff. And now I'm meeting them in person and they're playing my music. And That's like, unreal. oh, it was so, so cool. But I mean, the coolest part was like the behind the scenes stuff. When you get a chance to, you know, meet DJ Khaled on like a one on one with hit with mutual friends. So he is accepting or yeah. like Busta Rhymes and like different like big artists that are from New York. And um, I don't know, that was probably the coolest part, is having like one-on-one -on -one conversations with people that I admired. Like actual music conversations and yeah. trying to like get things produced and like and life stuff. stuff. Yeah. Like Jim Jones came to one of the studio sessions and just was like going off about life. And it was like so cool to what like- What type of stuff was he saying? Do you remember? Oh man, oh, it was a long time ago, but he was just going off about life and about how like everyone's so obsessed with, I think he was talking about fashion. He's like, everyone's so obsessed with their clothes people need to understand that like, that doesn't make you who you are. And like, he was a little bit more eloquent and a little bit more um, excited. <laughs> but it was just like, it was, it was intoxicating to listen to him because he was so passionate. It came from such a genuine place. Mm -hmm. And like, I think 
when people are that passionate, a lot of times it comes from a place of pain. And so yeah. I feel like, I don't know, but maybe in his life he experienced, you know, different things where people maybe made fun of his clothes or whatever. And now he, that he's successful, he still carries that pain. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what it seemed like. But maybe that's just me looking too far into it. Well, I think everything that people really truly care about or want to make a difference in and things that we you know, really try to affect in our lives come from a deeper place and deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would it really matter so much to us mm-hmm. if there wasn't like a root to it? But is there any like personalities out there that were just intoxicating like that or anyone you met that was just a really great experience? I mean, there's no one cooler than Sammy Adams. He's, he's your boy, so, huh? He is so cool, man. And I, I mean, I hope he doesn't hear this and then think I'm you know, jock riding or anything, but he's just like someone that he's the definition of don't judge a book by its cover. Because when I first found out I was going to go on tour with him, I was like, okay, this little frat bro, you know, white boy rapper, you know, whatever, all these different things. And I met him and he was the most down to earth, genuine dude, similar upbringing, like didn't come from money and like grinded his way up. He was a D1 athlete in soccer. Really? Yeah, like just wow. a, and such a good dude and just like welcomed me with open arms. I thought it was going to be like an ego thing and he was just from day one, which is so great. And we I mean we still talk all the time now, but he's probably like one of the coolest people that I met in the industry. I think it's really cool to be able to like meet somebody with a personality and you have your predetermined thoughts about them and then just to like see someone actually doing it who's like down to earth i've never been so wrong yeah that is that's an awesome experience and then you toured with them for how how long what was that like we did four different legs i think so maybe like 50 shows total something like that which was like i mean that's got to be the time of my life wow i've been a d1 athlete i've been on tv on fox i've been in you know big fraternity in college and there's just nothing that compares to being on tour with all your best friends, just like playing your own music. I'm sitting, you know, I'm in bumfuck Idaho and I'm like listening to these kids singing every word to one of my, there's always like a pocket of like eight or 10 kids that just know all the words yeah. to my songs. And I'm like, dude, I was in my one bedroom apartment taking a shit, writing this song and they're just like, singing every part of it and i'm like i've never been to nebraska but these kids are going off and i'm like dude that is so cool and I, I don't think i'll ever get used to it yeah and maybe i will but I, at this point i don't know that i ever will it just shows your reach and how important the words you're saying are and the impact you can have on people it's insane everywhere especially with our age today the technology yeah. and stuff but absolutely uh the video of you for people who have seen him <laughs> james went in and opened a college or what campus was that on um, I think we were at uh, Mizzou, University of Missouri. Yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a fun, fun time. But I, uh, I mean, we were just shooting just B-roll video just on campus. Middle always, of the day, right? So our schedule always was you pull up to a city, okay. you know, you're sleeping or whatever. You get up, you get some food, you go to campus and just talk to strangers. That was like our formula. Get them excited about the night. Yeah. yeah. And you're just like, yo, are you coming to the show tonight? And the, most of the people are like, oh, what show? And then you're like, you know, I'm, this is what I'm doing, da, da, da. Okay. And like that was like the beginning. And so I would go to campus. We'd go to the sorority houses, the fraternity houses, get some drinks, we, you know, bring booze, always adding value. Guerrilla marketing at its finest. Always being a value add. Add value, baby. And um, so we would do that. And then we'd go to the show. And then on on stage... I had uh, this extra phone number, this you know separate phone line, 
and I would give out my number on stage. And I would be like, hey, here's where we're after partying tonight. If you want to come, call me, text me right now. Here's my number. And I'd be like, ba ba ba, da da da, two, three, four. Now say it with me. Ba ba da, da da da, two, three, four. And like do it like three times. So the whole crowd is screaming the phone number, you know, a thousand kids or whatever it is. And then we'd, you know, we'd after party at a bar and we'd pull up to the bar, buy a hundred shots. Like, you guys would buy them? Oh, yeah. yeah. We'd, buy like, we'd walk in and buy 100 shots. Like, this was every night. You know <laughs> what I mean? So we were just blowing money. But we were oh doing it to, like, we wanted to be a firework. Yeah. And so we would show up, you know, a quick set, and then you're gone. You know what I mean? But it was like, holy shit, who are these guys? You know, you're in these tiny little towns in, you know, the outskirts in Illinois, and you're the coolest thing going on for 500 miles. Mm-hmm. And you'd walk into the bar, and it's, you know, these little dive bar, college bars, right? It's like dollar shots or $2 yeah, shots. Yeah, little plums, actually. And we'd be like, you know, 100 shots, another round. You know what <laughs> I mean? These kids are, like, drinking, and they're like, yo, these guys, and we all got Only Us gear on. And yeah. we just go take over for a night. And then, you know, we move to the next city and do the whole thing again. Go to the sorority house, and da da so taking you back to New York, um, you mentioned that, you know, you were really trying to make it. You're a new up and comer, kind of living with your, was it your manager at the time? Um, he was uh, one of my managers, yeah. One of your managers, yeah. yeah, and just trying to make it. And you said you were in some of the best shape of your life. You were working out at the gym. Yeah. I love this story. Talk to us about that story and how you're just eating a meal a day, kind of, you were doing fasting without really knowing about it. Yeah, no. Um, so I was in New York. I was a signed artist. I was all over the radio. I was in, in different clubs every night, big clubs. You know what I mean? Like you're in New York City. These are like some of the best clubs in the country. And um, but I had no money. I had no money. Mm-hmm. I hadn't been making money yet, and so um, I was just getting by. I was sleeping on the couch for like six months, and um, you know, eating once a day. I would go to the same little deli place, and I would get a um, a bagel with Sasha's egg and cheese on it once a day. Or a Chipotle if I had a couple extra bucks. So bagel or Chipotle? Yeah. And I would, uh, I would wait and I would eat it like around t- between 2 and 4 o'clock because okay. I was like, I don't want to be hungry when I go to bed, but I also don't want to starve all day. So yeah. I would eat it like between like 2 and 4. And I, I only had money for like one meal a day. I was scraping up literal change, paying in quarters sometimes to get, um, you know, to get a meal. And I'd wake up and I'd work out at the park. Just a prison workout, pull-ups, push-ups, dips, sit-ups. Outside in the sun. Outside in the hot sun, and then I would jog back to my place, and then I'd you know fart around for a few hours, and then I'd get my meal. Yeah. And so I had never heard about intermittent fasting, didn't know anything about it. I knew about dieting, but I didn't know about IF. Yeah. Um, I just knew you know I want to work out and stay in shape. Um, but I, yeah, I was probably fasted for like six or seven months, just grinding. I was in the best shape of my life too. And you didn't eat a lot of food. I mean, nah, one meal, one meal a day to sustain me, and I just drank water out of the out of the tap. And you were big, huge, like strong, huge, right? Strong. My, I mean, I was probably like one of the bigger. That was probably one of the bigger frames I ever had. I remember seeing you. You were big and in shape. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy how much our world eats and mm-hmm. too much protein, especially like 200 it. grams. It's like, come on, what are we doing? Yeah. But that I think that's such a cool story because now you're fasting, you know, when you're really on it, you're fasting pretty regularly mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. it going. Absolutely. And what is uh what is like your health look like right now? I mean, we worked out the other day. This guy's throwing up two twenty five twelve times. Yeah, I, eleven times today. Eleven today. Yeah. So what is what's the routine like? What lifting and health and stuff? 
Um, I usually skip breakfast, um, but I'll go and work out. I like to work out in the morning. It just makes me a better person. Um, you can ask my girlfriend. I'm, I can be a dick if I don't work out in the morning. But when I do work out, I'm a very like jolly, lively person. Mm. Um, sprightly is actually sprightly. Uh, an old vocabulary word that I learned. Yeah, we were just talking about a book where it's like you have to work out first thing in the morning to like be productive, good yeah. version of yourself. And it's and working out doesn't mean training like um, you know Antonio Brown out in right. the hot sun running ladders and. Do, just get your body moving. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you wake up at 5 a.m. and you just swim a few laps and jump some rope and hit the sauna. You don't have to lift heavy weight. And that's, one, that's been one of the bigger things that I've had to learn. Transitioning from being an athlete to being just a normal person, right, is stop training and just work out. And that was like I always would like go to the gym and go so hard for like a week. And then I'd be so burnt out. You can't sustain because, that. And I didn't There's enjoy no it yeah. because I didn't have a, a, an end goal. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, just, oh, man, I'm going so hard in the gym. And then I'd get burnt out. And then I would stop because it was miserable. Mm-hmm. It's miserable if you don't have a, a why. You don't have a purpose, right? A plan, so, yeah. Yeah, so I've, t- I've taken a step back. And now I just go to the gym and I work out like a normal human being. I'm still James Farrow. You know what I mean? So my workout... For, is pretty dope. You, you know gotta throw saying? some weight around yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So I'm still throwing it around, but I'm not, you know, going as hard as I did when I was trying to make it to the league. Right. And you're you're adapting. I mean, we're trying to get you some pliability, get oh, the I deep tissue, I need and it, man. the sauna. That's that's huge. I think that's one of the bigger things I'm lacking. It's just you you want free movement of your body. Pain free movement yeah. is like anyone over forty five will tell you. Yeah, they don't care about being jacked. They just want to be able to stand up out of a platform bed and not feel like they just broke their back. And, <laughs> 100%. That's, like, and that's like something that I'm starting to realize as I'm getting old. I'm 26 now. And so as I'm getting older, I'm like, you know, uh, stretching doesn't do it. Stretching doesn't it really doesn't do it. No, it's you need to get in effective. there and release tension and, you know, get under certain places and whatnot. Because there's certain times, there's mornings I'll wake up and both my knees will crack simultaneously as oh I stand boy. up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And I'm just like, God dang, I'm getting old. And I got my girlfriend, she's 23, and she just, I mean, she can drink all night and then just pop out of bed and, you know, go work all day. And I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> what are like, you doing? Yeah, I'm like, God, it must be nice. Yeah, and just from our athletic careers, I know for me having six surgeries and stuff, like mm-hmm. I need the pliability, like deep tissue release every uh, Everyone every needs day. it. Everyone needs it. I mean, if I skip it for two, I skipped it for like three days the other day mm-hmm. just because I was doing stuff. And the third day I woke up, my back was hurt. I didn't want to get out. Yeah, but no. I, but it's miserable. I, it's miserable. But when I'm in my routine, I'm like deadlifting and swinging the golf club as hard as I can way too fast. Absolutely. And just like, I'm good. Yeah. Freedom of movement is like the name of the game. People say health and wealth, right? Yeah. And they always say health first, health first. And they want to like always put an emphasis on that. But like, what does that really mean? Right? So there's like your internal health. Yeah. And it's like, are you putting good things into your body? Are your organs in good condition? You know what I mean? Are you smoking jewels all day long? Kind of like your micronutrients. Yeah. yeah like. But then there's the health, like being able to move around freely. Like, are you in pain? Like, that's a whole other thing. You know what I mean? It's all internal because it's your body. But I look at that as more like an external thing. Yeah. I'm like, can you like, you know, lift up groceries or are your shoulders on fire by the time you get to the second flight of stairs? Right. And so that's like something that I've been battling with myself is just residual injuries from you know, football and whatnot and, you know, freedom of movement. 
Yeah, like, are you healthy? Do you have the energy? Like, is your health? Do you have the energy for the day? Are you able to do the things you want to do? Absolutely. Like, who cares if you can go and lift a ton of weight in the gym? Or who cares if you have 0% body fat or 2%? Like, that's the one thing when I talk about healthy lifestyle. It's mm-hmm. like, I want to be able to not have to train three hours a day and not have to eat the strictest, cleanest yeah. chicken and veggies all day. Like, I want to live a fun life, but then have some practices and routines that are able to like let me live my life so I don't have to be like a crazy because like the top fitness people you see on Instagram with 3% body fat like that's awesome but Great. it takes so much effort and work yeah and that's going like, to be one of your main things in your life yeah I'm not belittling it because that's awesome like that's part of their life that's their goals and for stuff. Sure. but like for people who are, have different passions and stuff, we want to live healthy but that doesn't mean having this jack six pack no it doesn't and that's what people associate health with so and having one more thing is Having sustained energy is the name of the game. The purpose of the reason why human beings exist is the pursuit of energy, right? Hunter gatherer is your, your, that's another term for pursuing energy. Preach it. Right? Preach it. And so, like, all I want besides freedom of movement, not being in pain, is to be able to be awake for 12 hours and not be suicidal. <laughs> yes. That's that's what I want. You know what I mean? And no, people I don't realize the like the difference between artificial energy and sustained energy that comes from your body and the things that you put into it as far as food, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes, you can wake up and have a cup of coffee and you're productive for a couple hours and then you tank and then you have another cup and da-da. that's not real energy. That, yeah. You know what I mean? Or sugar, carbohydrates yeah. more commonly. Exactly. And so having sustained energy is like, I mean, it's so beneficial. And that's the number one thing that I got from intermittent fasting. Like, yeah, I tightened up a little bit and that was great. And I felt good about myself, just placebo effect of being, on, uh, you know, following through with something always mm-hmm. makes you feel better, right? Right. Yep. But the number one thing, and I tell this to anyone that asks, is my sustained energy was so valuable that there's nothing to replace it. Intermittent mm-hmm. fasting gave me more energy than a five-hour, than anything, and it was sustained, focused energy. I was attentive. I wasn't jittery. I wasn't, you know, uh, zooted out of my body. Like an whatever. Adderall kind yeah, of jittery. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I had just, like, internal energy, and it came in almost in the form of happiness and euphoria. Yeah. Like, I felt good. You know what I mean? And I was I, like, all right, let me knock this out. Let me do all the errands that my girlfriend needed me to do, <laughs> and let me go take care of some music stuff and some business right. ventures. But I'm like, I'm fired up. And that's at like, you know, 6 a.m. And I'm like rolling. I'm like, it's 3 o'clock. I haven't eaten anything. I've just had water. And I'm ready. And then I have a meal. And then I'm like, dun, dun, dun. That's exactly and I'm just done. I'm done. And that's like, what you don't realize is when you eat all day, your body has to work so hard to use all that up. And then to dispose of what it doesn't use. And like that takes energy away from just being able to be awake and be focused. And anyone that knows Chipotle understands what we call the Chipotle slumps, right? <laughs> yep. Where you eat a whole burrito and then you literally are in a coma. Mm-hmm. And that's like just an, ex, um, an exaggerated version of like what happens when you eat all day long, all throughout the day. And yep. if you're eating four big meals or three big meals, no wonder why you're exhausted at noon. When you eat a whole, you eat three pancakes and some eggs and some bacon, and it's six a.m. and you know you're feeling good and oh, you know I'm eating some good food. Blood I'm sugar so spiked through the roof. Oh, and so you're rocking for like thirty or forty-five minutes, yeah. and then you know eleven a.m. rolls around, 
and you're now you're chugging coffee and now you need all the artificial yeah. energy it doesn't work man it's yeah. not sustainable and and 90 percent of people do that 98 yeah 98 percent of people do that every day oh my god every day and here it is for like my science people that's just a blood sugar rush and then your glucose and your insulin need to balance that out and then they finally do your blood sugar goes way down but then they're like all right we need more and that's when you're at the bottom then you hit you're good for a couple hours you get the blood sugar back up and then you crash it's a constant cycle compared to burning ketones your own body's fat stores as energy or if you eat some like almonds or like a fat a fat-based source of food is might be a little bit more solid but Here's the thing that I've been battling a little bit, just to go off my own tangent real quick, is that people who are really healthy and like breakfast are like, I totally agree. If you really like breakfast and it works for you and you're able to eat like a healthy fat-based breakfast that isn't a bunch of carbohydrates and or you eat a calorie restriction, so you're eating like 20% under you know, what you would do maintain your just level of body weight, then you're going to feel a lot of the same benefits because... People who aren't focused on their fitness and health, 97%, they're not eating a super healthy eggs avocado breakfast. They're eating something that is going to spike their blood sugar through the roof and then have them crash. So just when people think about that, let's not think about the the 3% who are super ultra focused because that's awesome. I think it's great that you're eating breakfast and it's working for you, but it's just the mainstream people who grab stuff from the gas station or from McDonald's or like it's the average population is more the people that I really think we can affect with that. Absolutely. And just a little uh, side note for all the people tuning in right now, let me talk about the host for a second. So I lived with Austin throughout high school, um, I think oh boy. Uh, going into ninth grade and then on. Austin used to eat a popcorn-sized bowl of Reese's Puffs every day <laughs> before school, and that was his breakfast. And I, you know, I was on the same thing. I'd wait, I'd eat a muffin or whatever. And I can't believe that parents let their kids eat a bowl of Lucky Charms for breakfast. They told us to do that instead of not. They're like, it's better than nothing. You need some energy. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> and that's not a knock on parents because you don't know what you don't know. They were trying to do their right? best. Exactly. It's you don't know what you fault. don't know. And yeah. then, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it where they have to get up and go to work and it's not worth the battle. And I completely understand that. But when you're talking about the health of your children, you cannot have your children stop at a 7-Eleven and grab a donut and then send them off to school. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't fly. It doesn't, no. and there's so many alternative things that you can do. I'm not telling you to make your children do intermittent fasting, but give them healthier choices than a bowl of Lucky Charms at seven in the morning before a whole day of school. Oh my god! And just it's be, insane. It's like just let's use our intuition a little bit. Let's be mindful and just like maybe do a little bit of research and think about what we're doing on daily basis. These huge habits that affect our life forever. Absolutely. Like, let's just use intuition and a little bit. And your parents are so worried about external forces affecting their children, the dangers of the outside world. What about the things you are bringing into your house and your kid is putting into their body? Every, That's the most important just as thing. important. Their mind and body your every day. Your kid's more likely to die from obesity than a kidnapper taking him from the park and killing him. And the, that's you bringing those foods into your home. And I, and I think we're seeing it now, people who are 25, 30 years old, kids I grew up with, the ones who had parents who are a little bit stricter and a little more with it, especially with health and just, just everything, even a little bit more controlling of what their kids are doing. Those people are doing generally, that's obviously not everybody, but they're mm-hmm. just doing a little bit better. They're more health conscious and consistent than people who had just kind of didn't have a clue with their parents. And Well, they didn't learn. They didn't learn, exactly. They never learned the eating habits they never learned a lot of those things and those you know those lessons that you learn early on 
you take those with you for a lot of your life. And if you don't personally take the time to do the research and, you know, ask the questions, then you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And then who's to blame in that equation? Because if the parents don't know and then the kids don't know and then, you know, at this point, there's so much access to information that it's hard to excuse things like that. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, we're talking 10 years ago, which is the experiences that we had where intermittent fasting and different things like that, obviously people knew about nutrition, but it wasn't as um, mainstream as it is now. And a lot of it was the marketing, especially when we grew up. They mm-hmm. were like people feeding breakfast and stuff. There's so many agendas behind all the marketing of food, and that oh, yeah. and our parents they do a great job. Stuff. Those yeah. people are brilliant. They're brilliant. And honestly, like I demonize the food industries all the time because mm-hmm. of the detriment to all of our health. But they created so many jobs. I mean, there's so many people who've created amazing careers. Mm-hmm. They built communities your up from all that is, money. Is yeah. your dad still in the food industry? He is. He does uh, my, or, uh, Michael Foods eggs, which yeah. is good stuff. Let's get the <laughs> eggs go. go. Let's get some but, eggs. Yeah, I remember though. There was one time we were going to play lifetime. We were playing hoops one day. You know, mm-hmm. little uh, little lifetime hoops in the morning, and I went to get. Uh, Burger King, like a little McBiscuit. This must have been in high school. Yeah. And we had a full-on fight about it because I was like, dude, I think it's way better to eat that than nothing. And I was like, you need to put something in. Like, I know it's like shitty food, but I was like, you need to put something in. You were like, dude, that is brutal. Like, you shouldn't eat that no matter what. Everything I had learned at that point is you need food. This. I remember this. My point was putting bad things into your body is worse than putting nothing at all. Yes. was my stance, right? It was like, that is worse than just not eating. And I didn't know anything about intermittent fasting. I was just like, in my own anything. brain, I'm like, eating a bag of Skittles before school is worse than not eating anything at all. Mm-hmm. And that's just what, that was just my own, I guess, my rationale. I don't know. You know, that's something that I've carried with me where I'm like, I know when I eat bad food and what it's going to do to my body. This is the sick thing about me, right? Okay. This is why I'm a sick person okay <laughs> I, I know all the research i've done the research i know the information i know what i'm putting in my body is bad i know what it's going to do to my body and i know how to you know what alternative choices i could have and i still do it yeah. I, <laughs> I do still too sometimes do it i still do it and it's sick it's sick <laughs> isn't that the uh the definition of being insane is doing the same thing and expecting a different result, right? But it, at the end of the day, it boils down to if, it boils down to willpower. And so, if I don't work out in the morning, then my willpower and I feel like working out in the morning raises my container of willpower for sure, hundred percent. Because I already feel good about myself, and when I feel good about myself, I make better choices. Uh-huh. And so, if I don't work out in the morning, then that's you know I'm not I knock myself down a peg because then I'm just getting on myself i feel guilty and you know i um you know self-shaming or whatever for not just working out or whatever and then i that'll lead me to eat poor foods and make poor decisions and it's just you know a domino effect and that's so just going right off that atomic habits is one of my favorite books Mm -hmm. shout out chase garris we read that one together but it's all about like willpower will only take you so far like you can be tough yeah that's great but you need habits and it's habit stacking the good habits if you go out work out good habits are going to spiral snowball into good Mm -hmm. habits bad habits will snowball into bad habits if you can master your first two hours of the day if you can nail it your first two hours of the day, you'll live a good life. Mm. Those are the most important hours. And, when, and I'm not even talking about waking up early or waking up late. I'm Doesn't just matter. saying just when, when you, you wake open up. your eyes and you hit your snooze, you've already lost one battle for the day. When you open your eyes, 
you hit your snooze, you wake up and you don't make your bed. You've now lost two battles for the day. And now you're coming from the, you know, you're trying to play from behind now, right? Jordan Peterson goes into depth about it in relation to the lobster hierarchy in their society. Where Stand he's like, up straight. When you lose over and over, you, you know, your shoulders, uh, you know, you close your shoulder or you close your chest and you start to sink into yourself a little bit and you're more likely to lose moving forward. Right. And then if you win, you know, you pop your chest out, you're, you know, you're walking tall and all that and you're more likely to win. Um, and the more so wins you get, and the more losses, the more it advances yeah, each way. And it's, and it's just, you know, it's, it's like sports, right? Where, you know, people, some people like statisticians, statisticians, sorry, I've Statistic, had a lot of wine. Yeah. Statisticians, statisticians, statisticians. All right. Write in the comments <laughs> what the actual word is. Cause I don't think either of us are reading this right now. Um, but they may not like to, um, say it's a real thing, but momentum is a real thing. Um, for sure. And anyone that's played sports competitively knows that. And the stats may, you know, over the course of a season may not show that it matters. But when you're in the game, momentum's a huge thing. And that's the same thing in the first two hours of your day. Start off with good momentum. Wake up. Don't hit snooze. Get out of bed. Make your bed. Go to the gym. You Keep do going. those three things, you're going to have a great day. Dude, you haven't read the 5 a.m. club because you were mm-hmm. literally just preaching what he, he said. It's, a, it's all about the victory hour. He tells a great story. Awesome book for, for the readers who are, or for the listeners who haven't read it. But it's a victory hour. First mm-hmm. hour of the day, you, re, you uh, do some journaling, you do some reflection, you work out, and you do some personal growth. Mm-hmm. And those three things, boom, the rest of the day is going to be easy. Yeah. He said you just knocked that out and the rest of it snowball on to win. But also off the momentum thing. That's awesome he said that because I was having this heated argument with our other assistant professional at our course. And he was like, stats don't lie. If someone makes a 12-foot putt, like you're on a putting green in golf and you're hitting a 12-foot putt, he's like, the PGA Tour average is – I don't know what it was, you know, 20%. You're going to make that putt 20% of the time. And he was like, I don't care if you're having a good day, bad day. You have a 12-foot putt, you're going to make it 20% of the time. And I go, that is the dumbest thing ever. If you went out there and you three-putt the last seven holes, that 12-footer is no longer 20%. It's looking about like 5%. Mm-hmm. You're not feeling any confidence. Well, I think that goes into, too, is um, what just happened previously is a direct reflection of where your mind is, right? It's all about so confidence. When and, and not just confidence. It's playing, it's playing, I don't know, it's playing in the zone. I didn't want to say in the zone because okay. it's cliche, right? But your brain shuts off and it's just muscle memory. And when you see someone that just hit six threes in a row, they are now in that flow state. Mm-hmm. So their, their percent chance of making that three is a lot better than when they're not in a flow state. For sure. You know what I'm saying? I and couldn't agree more. Statisticians, I still don't know that word i'm gonna stop saying it the people that do <laughs> stats <laughs> don't take that into account right of someone that's in the zone or in that flow state is so much more likely to make the shot or make the putt or whatever than someone that just comes fresh out of their car gets on you know the course and lines up a 12-foot putt and hits it versus someone that just hit sunk 12 12-foot putts in a row. I know. I, mean, I don't get how people don't see that. Like, some people generally don't see it. No, they're like, people no that stats aren't gamers. Are yeah, those I mean, people that aren't gamers. Those are nerds. And they're like, well, why does the stats not balance out then? Because, because over time, you're only going to hit that flow state however many times you mm-hmm. hit it, and then there's going to be the really bad times too, and then mm-hmm. all the times in the middle when you're just feeling average, it's going to balance out. Absolutely. But you got to understand how Which momentum certain, works. And there's certain people that are, you know, clutch. Stats don't show 
clutch. clutch. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's certain people that, yes, you know, um, Joe Schmo is a 50% free throw shooter. But in the clutch, he's a 20% free throw shooter. Right. So when he lines up, the stats guys are going to be like, now I have to say stats guys. The stats guys <laughs> yeah, are going to be like, guys. oh, he's got a 50% chance of making this. It's like, no, because it's a pressure situation. And in the pressure situation, Joe Schmo is a fucking flake. And there's no way he's going to make this. Are you talking about me right now? No, I'm not talking about you personally. <laughs> in our but one-on-one I, no, games, it's yeah. been tough. Austin has never beat me in one-on-one basketball. Yeah, he lies. And he we're lies. talking about in a pool, in the driveway, in an actual gym, on an NBA court. No matter what it is, he's never beat me in one-on-one basketball. And there was a time, I don't know, like two years ago, I was up like 10 to 2. We're playing to 11 at Lifetime. Mm-hmm. I was up like 10 to 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it became a thing. After a couple of years, like, you've never beaten me. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get back to... Uh, uh, what's what's your daily life like these days? What are we up to? I know we're making music, and what else we mm-hmm. what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I'm always making music. That's always number one. Um, I've taken a step back from releasing music to focus on some business stuff. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't know I majored in finance at the University of San Diego, and so I've always loved business and the entrepreneurial avenues. Um, and so some things have opened up for me. And I've been really, really focusing on those things. Is there anything specific you want to talk about? I know you did some songwriting that you said was pretty mm-hmm. successful that you liked in, uh, yeah. out in L.A. Yeah, I've done some songwriting in L.A. And then here at home in Minnesota, um, I bought into a car dealership oh, like okay. nine or ten months ago. Got licensed. That took forever. Um, but finally, we're like rolling, and I'm really excited about where we're going. That's awesome. Is it fun to be step away from the music just a little bit and kind of venture off business? I know you're doing um, some other meetings, too. It is, but it's always like a dark cloud that hangs over my head where I'm like, am I really doing what I want to be doing? Like anytime I'm doing something besides music, it's like, should I just be all in on music? Should I be focused on just music? And, um, you know, over time I've had to realize that it's okay to do other things. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm always, at least in the past and even now, I'm always so worried about how I'm going to be perceived. Am I going to be perceived as a failure? And it's like, that doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And so I'm like, even if I wanted to quit music altogether, I you know think about the opinions of all the people that are close to me, and then all the people that are extended friends and extended family, whatever. And you know that's always been such a paralyzing thing for me, is I seem like the most confident person all the time, and I got my shit together, and I'm always like I have a vision. Um, but I, I've always cared so much about what other people think, and that's been so paralyzing. And just in the recent years, I've kind of decided to just do what I want to do, and that's kind of why I've been able to jump into these new business ventures and like do other stuff besides just music mm-hmm. and it's been great yeah, it really I, has been i can understand just putting that personal pressure on you because what it, it really doesn't matter especially people that really care about you and love you they're going to support exist. you with what you're doing yeah no, you, it's just my own brain. personal pressure yeah yes, it's just my own brain that i just made up um it's like how will smith talks about fear where he's like fear doesn't exist danger exists but fear doesn't and it's the same type of thing is like i'm I'm feeling emotions based on a situation or a scenario that hasn't happened and doesn't exist and has not existed yet. And it's, and it's affecting me in my present day, which is insane. And so I've had to let go of that and um, just kind of do things that I want to do. And I always make music for myself. I'm so free when I make music. Um, And I just want that to, you know, um, overflow into other avenues of my life. Is there any other things that you do on a daily basis that really you feel like is just for you that you really enjoy? Um, I mean, working out, obviously. I know we talked about that earlier, but working out is like so essential. Mm-hmm. But other than that, um, I don't know if people have looked into like their love languages, but mine is like acts of service. 
and gift giving. Um, And so, you know, with my girlfriend, Bailey, I'm always trying to do the little things. And so in my daily life, I am always trying to do like something small for her. And she, you know, she works really hard. And and sometimes I'm at home all day playing video games on Twitch (laughs) and I'll feel a little guilty that she has to work all day. And so, you know, I'll make dinner or order food or clean up the house and, you know, take some things off her plate, go get her oil change and stuff. And I'm always just trying to do things for the people I care about. That's awesome, man. I know you're so giving and just being mindful of helping others is really important. I try to. It's really important to me. Really important. And just to add to what you were saying earlier about the pressure, personal pressure, I had a re- or experience where I was kind of doing that to myself. I was stressed mm-hmm. over getting stuff out and this PGA work I was doing. And I was talking to my dad about it. He's like, dude, no, there are no deadlines. Like, that's all in your own head. Mm-hmm. It's like, those are all self-personal pressures, and I think that's just that's great advice. I think people can relate to that so much. Just like, just, just you know, take a step back. Be patient. And think. Be patient. As long as you're not, you know, there's one thing to say that, and then just sit around all day doing nothing. Well, there's patience, and then there's complacency. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's good to be patient because things have to play out. You're not going to have all the cards that you need to win the game on day one. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to put some things together. You got to take a couple losses, get some good advice, find a mentor, and um, and then you figure it out. Yeah. But I and that's something I struggle with is patience. I want wh- whatever my big idea is. If my big idea is for the week. I want it now. I want to get it done right now. And I can't understand why everyone around me isn't just jumping in and doing what I want. <laughs> why are the people I texting say? me back right now? Yeah. Why isn't the video up? Why aren't you working on it? Yeah. What do you mean you have family things? And come on, you know, this is something I'm trying to do, you know? And so yes. I, I've had to realize, and this is advice that I give a lot of the younger guys that I work with in the industry, is you have to realize that everyone is living their own life and no one really gives a shit about what you're doing. Even if they are excited about it and all that, you have, you're the only one that actually gives a real crap about what you're doing mm-hmm. as everyone has their own things going on. And, and the reason I, that I tell that story is because I tell the people that I work with, I say, if I don't hit you back, hit me again, text me again, text me five times, call me 10, you know, because like if this is your thing and I told you I would help you, it means I will, but I'm living my own life. Yeah. And so I give people permission to be annoying because they need to learn that following up and being persistent is the only way you're going to get anything done, especially in the music industry. Mm-hmm. And so I give them permission to be annoying. Well, yeah, if it's their thing, you're never going to care as much as them, and you exactly. shouldn't care even close to as it's much. It's like, yeah, I want to help you, and I'm willing to help you, but like, you know, something just happened with my car, or you know, I'm watching a good movie, or whatever it is. Yeah. That to me is more important than your literal dream. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to help you, so you better bug the crap out of me until I do. Right. And I, you know, I've had to learn that over the years, and I used to. Um, I was in San Diego, I was making music. I used to go on um, Google and I would find the record labels that I wanted to work with and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I would call their um, like their main phone number and talk to an operator. And I would ask for like a super common last name, like Johnson or Garcia or Smith. Okay. Like, yeah, can I talk? Um, they're like, oh, what's the last name? I'm like, Smith. And they would be like, oh, Adam. And I'd be like, yep, perfect. And they would buzz me over, and then I would be able to talk to different representatives no of way. the record label. So I was getting access to you know different people, and some of them you know maybe in digital marketing, and some you know I wanted to talk to the A and Rs. So they would be like, "Oh, it's Adam Smith, digital marketing." I'd be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, I think she put me on with the wrong, wrong person. Uh, who's the main A and R there?" And then he would tell me, and then he would transfer me, and I was just like grinding. But that's how persistent I was. I was that persistent when it came to my college football recruiting. 
I was calling coaches all the time. You know what I mean? Being I remember annoying. that. That was awesome. I would call a coach every day after school. And you have to be annoying. You have to be persistent. You have to just constantly be putting on the pressure because no one cares. No. Nope, if you nope. don't do it, no one cares. Yep. And it's like even if they do care, they have, like you said, a million things going on. So mm-hmm. they might care about it, but they then someone's texting them about their actual job and then you got their so wife calling down. them and their it's sister. So far down. Like even if they care, they're just not thinking about it mm-hmm. ever. So I love that. Be persistent. Even annoy people and just be like, hey, I, listen, I know I'm being annoying, but I love you. Like help me out right now. Yeah. Or whatever it is. If it's exactly. people that you really know. Um, so are there any habits that you feel like or anything that's really kind of draining your time that you feel like, dang, I need to shake this, but it's hard to get out of right now? Um, I definitely watch a lot of Netflix at night. I could be doing something more productive, but... Like I said, I kill the beginning of my day, and then I drain my willpower throughout the day. Yeah, so like, sometimes I just want to curl up with my girl and watch Netflix and just you know chill out and go to bed. Yep. Um, but I definitely like I may spend a few too many hours in the week watching some Netflix or some good shows. shows or whatever. Yeah, but it's just relaxing. I don't know. You know, it's like yeah, I could do something else, but like, would I be burnt out if I did that? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just a, it's a genuine question. Like, I feel like I'm in a good place. I feel like I'm being productive. I feel like I'm being healthy. And so I don't, I don't think I need any, like, extreme changes. But there are definitely, like, habits I can replace with better ones. Right. I want to get up a little bit earlier. I'm usually up about, like, 8 o'clock. And then I'm at the gym about 9. Yeah. But I could definitely, like, move that to, like, 6. Get up a little early. And I'm, the so, much, I'm going. so much better during the day, too. Like, during, when the sun is up... I'm up and I feel good. And then as soon as the sun sets, I'm like done. I'm done. I don't need to talk to anybody. I go on do not disturb mode and I just chill out for the rest of the day. That's how it should be. I like that a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. And we, we said this the other day. My favorite quote of all time, maybe be uh, think in the morning, act in the noon, eat in the evening and sleep in the night. Exactly. I mean, get your shit done during the day. Get up, get after it. But when the sun goes down, you know, exactly. eat and relax and enjoy your life a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's awesome, man. All right. So the future, we know we're looking forward here. We got Amanda Bynes video dropping yes, soon. Yes, I'm yes, pumped yes. for that. I, it's starring Mary Lavoire, who is um, a phenomenal uh, unreal dancer. dancer. Great person. Um, she just did a podcast, actually. Um, I think it was back pocket. Yeah, back pocket. Yeah, those, yeah. I've been so on that one. That. Great guys. Tune into that. Um, but Mary, I mean, I can't say enough. She did a dance video um, when I first dropped Amanda Bynes, and it was just incredible. She's a great person. Um, she's the girlfriend of um, one of our good friends, Gee Grayson, um, who's also equally as talented and just such a great person. So I'm so lucky that she's working with us on that, and I think it's gonna be really cool. It's gonna be a parody of. The movie She's the Man, which stars Amanda Bynes. So we got like soccer jerseys and all this stuff. And like, I'm so stoked. It's gonna be cool. And Mary's the perfect person because she's so good on camera. And as you know, she certain people kind of shrink on camera, but she's so comfortable with herself. And Uh like, that's a that's a tough thing to find, especially with like amateur actors or you know people that aren't um, always on camera. Is she's just like. She looks so genuine and natural. She really yeah, she does. Yeah, she's incredible. So I'm stoked for that. I'm really excited for that. It's going to be really cool. And yeah. I think just going off that Mary thing, I think people who just believe, I know her and Grace have a strong belief in Christ. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a religion or mm-hmm. a God or whatever, just when you believe in something, I think everything else is just so much littler. Like when yeah. you have people and athletes and stuff who have such a strong faith, like mm-hmm. that confidence just goes into other things because it just doesn't matter as much. And yeah. you just have like that kind of that perspective of that's so important to me than everything else. 
Absolutely. Um, so I know we we've talked we talk about this all the time, kind of our personal why and uh, the reason we kind of do things. I know you've been thinking about yours. Is there any? Do you have like a, a you know a mission statement for yourself or for only us? Like what you mm-hmm. know? Why do we get up every day and do what we do? You know, my why has always changed, and that's that will change. And like I've definitely been struggling with that. I just had a conversation with one of my buddies, Jarrett. Um, yesterday when I was like, you know, I, for the last couple of months, I felt like I was in limbo and just like going with the motions, but not really having a why. And I know you and I briefly talked about that. Um, I think yesterday we went out to lunch and um, lost some money at the casino. <laughs> oh on a boy, let's not bring that up. Yeah. It's been um, a long time. But we sat on this bench and we just talked, which was so refreshing because um, you don't, you know, at least I don't get to just have one-on-one conversations very often that aren't um, accompanied by some form of activity, playing cards or, you know, drinking or whatever. Different purpose. Exactly. Um, And you asked me a similar question about my why, or maybe I brought it up, I don't remember, but I don't, I don't know what my why is right now. I, I definitely have goals, but I don't feel like my goals are part of who I am. They're Mm -hmm. just part of what I want. And so that's something I need to figure out. And it's, I'm so happy you asked me that question the other day because it's been on my mind. Um, I'm like, what is my why? Like, in, are my whys like true to myself? So when I was training in football, my why was I want to make it to the NFL. But then you ask the same question, why? You, you, know you got to go so deeper. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I've had these like surface level whys, but I have confused goals with whys. And so that's something I need to figure out. I think that's a good thing to be. And I think I just need to, you know, I need to talk to more people like you, and um, and and figure that out for myself. But right now, I don't know what my why is. I think yeah. that's okay. And I and I think I was really lucky to be. I went to St. Cloud State and played football there, mm-hmm. and then I transferred to St. Thomas and Coach Glenn Cruz there. He opened my eyes to a lot of things. That I didn't really enjoy the football as much there, mm-hmm. but the life thing and he encouraged us all the time figure out why you're doing it on a deep level mm-hmm. it gave me a couple of years to really figure out so i've been able to solidify mine just just try to shine a positive and inspirational light on the people around me while pursuing the best version of myself possible like to its core that's just what i want to be in mm-hmm. life as i grow older and another guy austin yokum who is my trainer and a stud he he just is always preaching your why so i, I love how honest you are about it. like yeah. you know what i really don't know right now but i'm gonna figure it out and it's not like that you're not doing purposeful work or you don't have your goals and stuff, yeah. but just figure out, you know, what, what am I really doing exactly. here? Exactly. I'm in my mid-20s, you know? There's so, no rush to figure yeah, out. And I, mine will change, too. Exactly. They're all, they'll always be changing. Exactly. And I, I know in, in my past lives, um, in past years, I've had whys that were negative. My why was to prove someone else wrong that doubted me mm-hmm. and that drove me, but I don't want a why that comes from a place of hatred or resentment you know i want a why that comes from a place of love and and contribution to the people around me um and so it's something i need to figure out yeah man i'm okay with that that's good but there's a lot of people negative driving wise yeah and it works to the core it works it works and to a certain point but it works oh it absolutely works to be ultra successful but that doesn't mean happiness or actually Mm -hmm. like good in the world Mm -hmm. but exactly plenty of people driven by bad things and have done really big things yeah it's been uh, it's been me in in past years for sure so i know you wanted to one of your big goals you had told me before is kind of giving back to the community or kind of Mm -hmm. helping kids Mm -hmm. find a house or better lifestyle that maybe you kind of had is is there any goals around that that you still uh 
are kind of dreaming about? Yeah. And, you know, I got a lot of dreams, but at the end of the day, there's certain things I need to accomplish first. And I know that. That's how the world works, right? You need to have money. You need to have a certain amount of status. You need to have a voice. You need to have powerful people in your circle and whatnot. So I know there's a lot of building I need to do before I can get to this point. People say it um, takes money to make money, but it may- takes money to make an impact. Yeah. It takes yeah. money to make an impact. It takes relationships to get anything done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Um, you know, down the road, this is, you know, my retirement work that I would like to do. Um, I'd like to essentially be able to match up inner city kids with, um, like suburban families where they're spending the week with their suburban family and going to that school and, um, participating in those sports. And then on the weekends, they're able to, um, live with their normal families. Yeah. Um, and so it goes a lot deeper than that, but you know, that's the the short of it. The surface. Yeah. And that's something that down the road you'd love to see it established. Yeah, a, I mean, it changed my life. And so I know providing a stable environment for these kids um, is going to just mean the world. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be, it's going to be night and day. You know, I was in detention every day. There was class field trips I couldn't go on yeah. because I was like too troubled of a child. And no one took the time to find out why. They were dealing with, you know, other things and other kids and they had a lot going on. And so no one took the time to look into my personal situation of why I was cussing out teachers and throwing yeah, for sure. chairs and whatnot. Um, <laughs> right. And then, you know, once I moved in with you guys, um, I really didn't get in much trouble ever again. Yeah. And because I didn't have to, it took me out of that fight or flight, that survival mode, that lashing out, the trouble with authority. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gave me a stable environment where I could just be a kid. Yeah, and focus on sports and hanging out with my friends and chasing chicks. Just um, get you to the same advantage or just yeah. at least the same level, not way below. It's just to take away the dangers and take away the suffering mm-hmm. and the you know the anxiety. You know, you yeah. got a kid who's in fourth grade that's anxious because he doesn't have money to go on a field trip and doesn't want kids to make fun of him and this right. and that and, you know your parents don't have it and i'm sure they feel bad and guilty and oh, you know sure. you get embarrassed and there's nothing scarier than a man who's been humiliated and so that's why i feel like i was always lashing out and stuff is i would just always had a penny less than everybody else and they made me know it yeah. and i hated that and i never want that again for sure i think that's an awesome mission to have and i think that's such a core part of aog is knowing exactly the opportunities and advantages i've been given are just so far beyond Mm -hmm. millions and millions of people and just being able to understand that platform but then not just waste it because i have it Mm -hmm. use these advantages if other people had them that are way were less fortunate what they could do with that and I think that plat- this platform is so much about explaining, being grateful for it, but then taking advantage of all the opportunities. And then hopefully part of your mission, too, is sharing it with the people. Yeah. Give them every opportunity Absolutely. they can get. I think recognizing your advantage is half the battle. Yeah. That's half the battle. And I, I have so much respect for you for that. Appreciate that. that. That's, I mean, there's a lot of people who think that everyone just has equal opportunity. And it's like, man, we can live in the same neighborhood and go to the same school and we still not have equal opportunity. And that's such a lesson that you living with me taught me is like, wow, mm-hmm. I got to firsthand see this opportunity that I had over you. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy. I still busted your ass in sports, though. Yeah. Honestly, though, like part of that, you not having the opportunity made you so much tougher it made me, and harder. I play with pain. That's what we play. talked about earlier about pain. And like that that's a driving force for so many people. 
that I played with pain and hatred and resentment mm-hmm. and for the things I didn't have and the people that did. And I wanted to kill kids. <laughs> you, <laughs> did, was, you did. That was nuts, man. And it made you I good was, at sports, but did. maybe not great inside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's bad in the classroom, but <laughs> yeah. But uh, okay, we're going we're gonna to start to wrap it up here been really good stuff um i just have two final questions for okay. you uh but before we finish again i just want to say thanks buddy for coming on and i know you know this we talk all the time but i really do appreciate not just everything you do for me on a daily basis with helping mm-hmm. me with this platform and just helping me in daily life but the guidance that you gave me through high school and stuff there was a lot of things you taught me about just being tough and being confident in the world i got you to constantly. wear uh, i got you to wear jeans you got me to wear jeans. I, re- I hate that you did that. I love my sweats. <laughs> yeah, I know. I would still go back and wear sweats. But again, just thanks so much, man, for everything. It's, of course. I really appreciate all of it. All right. Two final questions. Other yeah. than friends and family, um, other than like other people, what do you mm-hmm. feel really grateful for every day in your life? Um, I feel really grateful that I've worked hard enough to put myself in a comfortable situation. I got a nice apartment, a nice car. I got money. Um, I've been broke so many different times in my life um, as a kid. And then, you know, we talked about New York. Um, mm-hmm. and I just never want to be broke again. And <laughs> so I'm so grateful for just the opportunities that I've created for myself and then the opportunities that have just fallen into my lap that have allowed me to like provide myself with a comfortable lifestyle where I can just execute on my dreams and focus on other things and not have to worry about where, you know, my money's going to come from to pay my rent and, and all that. So I'm grateful for that, man. I'm telling you, I know it's... uh it's probably not like the most, you know, sunshine and rainbows thing to be like, I'm grateful for money. But when you haven't had it for your whole life, it, it means a lot to have security. Security. Yep. Great. You know? That's great. Uh, love that. All right. Last question. So finally, let's say we're going to fast forward, uh, you know, 15, 20 years. You have, yeah, yeah. you have kids now. They're like 12, 13 oh, years old. 20 years is about right. <laughs> Might be longer. I don't yeah. know what your plans are. Exactly. But you got, you got a couple kids. We'll call them boys. All right. Uh, All right. 12, they're like 12, 13 years old. They're just uh-huh. really starting to kind of grasp life and understand it. And if you could tell them three things, or it doesn't have to be three, just a few things that you mm-hmm. know in your life to believe to be true. Like three things now that you believe to that will help them live a happy, healthy, and you know fulfilled life going forward. What what few things or three things would that be? Um, I'd say number one, if you want something done, you got to do it yourself. That right. you can't outsource your dreams to other people and outsource your aspirations to other people. You can't outsource your productivity to other people and your self discipline. I would say that's number one is if you have a goal or a dream or whatever it is, you have to be the one to do it. And you can bring other people in that can assist, but you have to be the driving force towards that goal and that dream. I don't care if it's sports, uh, in business, or you know, in the classroom, whatever it is, y- you have to do the work. And there's not a shortcut around it. Mm-hmm. There's not. And so that'd be number one for sure. Do the work. Um, other than that, I would you know, talk about that it's okay to make mistakes. And I would want to be the type of father that you can tell me, you know, if you go out boozing with your buddies or, you know, whatever I want. I would hope that I'm the type of father that's understanding and approachable enough for my sons to, you know, talk to me about that type of thing um, because you're going to make mistakes mm-hmm. and I'm going to still love you regardless. And so let's just hash this out right now and figure it out and then move forward. Um, so, so that'd be another thing. Do the work. It's OK to make mistakes and feel mm-hmm. comfortable with it. What's the third thing? Uh, the final thing I would true. say is um, 
you know, they're, if they're 12 and 13, they're, they're probably not thinking about college and all that type yeah. of stuff. Um, but I would say, you know, pick friends that make you feel good about yourself and stuff. I feel like, you know, in those years, there's always like two or three ringleaders who just kind of run the show and then everyone else just follows along. Uh Um, So I just want, I would hope that they would be able to pick a group of friends that made them feel good, that had like-minded interests and they weren't just, um, you know, being a chameleon to the people that are around them like I did so much when I was a kid. Me too. Um, So I struggled with just deciding who I am, what I thought was cool or what I, you know, Mm -hmm. what I felt inside. And so I would hope for more for my kids that they could have self-confidence and self-belief and if they think this song is cool and everyone else says it's lame, that they can still be like, well, I'm going to listen to it because I like it. You know, I would hope that my sons can live a life of conviction. Yeah. And that's probably the three things. And have the know. friends that hopefully accept them and yeah. enjoy that And with as them. your kid's future godfather and uncle, I would hope I can instill a few things in them too. <laughs> yes, for sure. Well, Jimmy, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Of course, buddy. Of course. All right. That's AOG. This is the Pharaoh. Get the merch. It's dropping soon. We out. Might take an Uber to fresh, yeah. I spend a rock on my pants, yeah. I do the for my fans. They are my fam. Advance, yeah. I'm already taking a chance. Amanda Bynes coming out. Video. Look out for it. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. You can find James on Instagram or on Facebook. It's at OnlyUsPharaoh. He'll be tagged in my post here. Go check him out. Go listen to his music. Give him a follow. Do your thing. Thanks again, guys. Have an awesome day. It's a great day to have a day. Whatever catchphrase you want, let's get it. Might take an Uber to fresh, yeah. I spend a rock on my pants, yeah. I do the for my fans. They are my fam. Advance, yeah. I'm already taking a chance, yeah. I'm moving more like I'm chance, yeah. I cannot fuck with the man. I'd rather go out and trap my bands, yeah. But baby, gon' hate me for trapping, no. I had to do what I had to do. She never seen it like that before, yeah Rockstar lifestyle might not make it I-